into a fresh episode of Locked On Bulls. I'm Matt. That's Big Dave. Up ahead on today's show, we got to talk about the Zach Levine becoming more and more of a vocal Chicago sports fan and not just the Bulls. What that might mean as far as his commitment to Chicago. Plus, a couple of Bleacher Report redrafts, the class of 2019 and the class of 2020, both in which the Bulls had high picks. And there are some surprises in there, so we're going to break that down as well. All that ahead on today's episode of Locked on Bulls. Let's go. You are Locked on Bulls, your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Here are your hosts, Matt Peck and Big Dave Watson. What's up and welcome into a fresh Locked On Bulls, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Matt Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. You can follow my co-host, Big Dave Watson at BOW, B-A-W-L Sports. And you can follow us at Locked On Bulls. Shoot us an email, LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. And of course, that text and voicemail line is always there for you, our fellow Bulls fans. And that number is 331-979-1369. We did texts. We did emails and in a separate episode we did voicemails at back end last week so if you haven't watched and or listened to those episodes yet do yourself a favor and go check it out because you might be on there if you send us a text and an email or drop us a voicemail you could be on there uh big dave how was the weekend are we feeling good about the bears one and one yes <laughs> yes ish <laughs> um i guess i mean well first of all yeah weekend was good Weekend was very good um, a lot of chilling. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy Justin got in there, you know, and got to play a half. I'm I didn't want to see Andy Dalton be hurt. That's not the way I wanted to see him go in there. Even though he's the second bear quarterback I've seen be hurt running out of bounds. Shout out Jim Miller. Um, but man, I I feel good. We got to win. I'll say that we got to win. It, it says something to me that Justin feels when he got in the game that the defense started actually playing better. And and I think, Justin, if he plays again this week, then you'll see more of this excitement from me. Like, then he'll have a full go at it, and I'll feel so much better then because I just want him to have a full go at it. I don't want people to draw a conclusion after a half, even though he threw a perfect pass to Allen Robinson and he dropped it. But that's okay. But Yeah. But, yeah, and he won the game on the 39 with that run he did. He won the game with that. So, but, yeah. He looked like a rookie out there, and I'm glad he's out there, and he needs to stay out there. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you watch that amazing Mahomes-Lamar Jackson duel on Sunday Night Football, and you think, man, I can't wait for, for Justin Fields to be that kind of hyped young star-level QB shining um, on Sunday Night Football. And hopefully, and, and hopefully sooner than later. So sp- speaking of the Bears, and kudos to them for, for getting back to one and one, um, Zach Levine, who is not yeah. known as a very vocal social media guy, like not he has really. an Instagram account and it's, you know, pictures of him and his fiance having a beautiful life together and his dogs. Um, obviously, he was very active on Insta during his trip to Tokyo as part of Team USA. It was really cool to follow along with that. We're mm-hmm. now seeing some workout videos, as we've discussed last week, you know, in the mm-hmm. gym working. Um, so I would say he's more of an Instagram guy than a Twitter guy. He does have a Twitter account, doesn't use it a lot, but 
over the course of this weekend, we got two tweets from Zach Levine that just made my heart smile because we've oh. been talking about, oh, this reporter from the Boston Globe is saying that the Celtics are going to poach Zach Levine away. And he signed mm-hmm. with Clutch Sports, so the Lakers are going to poach him away. And we got to <laughs> listen to all this crap. And meanwhile, before Bears Sunday, earlier in the weekend, White Sox talk, the, the White Sox account for, for our, our old friends at NBC Sports Chicago, posted mm-hmm. a picture of Zach Levine in a White Sox like themed alternative bulls jersey it's the chicago cursive from the old 80s jerseys and and what we have seen in some of the recent city editions and stuff like that but in black socks black uh sorry in white socks black trim and gray and it looks great and it's zach like flexing and smiling in that jersey and zach said in a tweet underneath it, we've got to make this jersey happen. And you know <laughs> that Zach Levine has got some love for the White Sox on the south side now. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the Bears on their official Twitter account post, you know, that's a W with, you know, mm-hmm. game highlights or recap score or whatever. And underneath that tweet, Zach Levine subtweets, protect home, exclamation mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to say I'm reading too much into a clean. But in the span of okay. a few days, you have him saying, yo, it's White Sox, Bulls, ma- like mashup jersey is dope, and I'd love to see it happen. And you got him saying, good for you, Bears, protect home field. Home being the key word. Zach mm. Levine sounds like a guy who has fully embraced, I am the face of the Chicago Bulls, and I am here mm. in Chicago repping not just the Bulls, but all the teams of the city. And look, I know that there are some people who will listen to our podcast who don't care that we spent a, you know, a minute talking about the Bears as we started, who aren't Cubs or White Sox fans, who aren't Blackhawks fans. I, I get that. A lot of Chicagoans are Chicago across the board, ride or die. And to see a player like that repping other teams in the city matters, especially when it's a player like Zach who is ascending into stardom and we're all panicked that he's going to leave. What do you think about mm. that, Dave? Wow, this is interesting, Matt. Um, because here's here's the two things I I the way I'm looking at it. When I saw the White Sox one, uh, and I was like, oh, that's cool. He responded to it. And you're right, it was shocking because I'm not used to seeing him say anything. Um, but when I saw that, you could look at that if you wanted to be, you know, a pessimist about it, you could look at it in a way and say, well, that could be corporate induced. That could be because, you know, the White Sox are also owned by Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, same sure. team, same person that owns Chicago Bulls. So you look at it like, well, he's just, you know, toting the line. You know what I mean? He's just doing it like that. He he doesn't really care. He probably doesn't even like baseball, even though Zach was a good baseball player, according to Zach Levine. Um, so you can look at it that way if you're being pessimistic about it. I get that. That's fine. The Bears one, though. <laughs> That's the one that threw me, and that's the one you have to look at because he is a out loud Raiders fan. He makes right. no bones about it. This dude's a right. Raiders fan, okay? He loves the Raiders. That's who he rolls with is the Raiders. So for him to say anything about the Chicago Bears and then to say those words, protect home, which is I'm sure is, you know got you, got you all in the tizzy when you saw it, you know what I mean? Got the nip kind of poking out a little bit when you, when you saw that a little bit, sir. And I understand, but that is what kind of gave me like, oh, snap. You know what I mean? Protect home, using that word home like he did in that one. And for a team that's not even his favorite team or a team he's not even like, this is the team I support. 
Right. So to say it like that, he didn't say good job, way to protect home field. You right. know what I'm saying? That would that would have been a different way to say that. He didn't say that. <laughs> he said protect the home. So when you're looking like home, well, guess who's home? Zach Levine. He's home. Oh, so that's what made it feel good, Matt, was it wasn't the White Sox one so much because, if, like I said, if you're looking at it pessimistically, you say he's just toning the com- company line, even though I don't think he is. I think right. he's right. Those jerseys looked amazing on him, and that would be really dope, even though it looked like San Antonio Spurs, but we would know in Chicago. We would know in Chicago what it is when we saw it. You know what I mean? Maybe they could change the color. You know what I mean? Make it a black jersey with the gray writing. A lot of things right. you could do with it. But it was the Chicago Bears one because there's no connection or affiliation uh, corporate-wise with the Chicago Bulls right. except your fandom, except just showing love for that team and saying protect home. Yeah, I can understand why you would look at that and feel some sort of joy, my friend. I do. I it's like you said, man. It was to me. It was that key word. That just that, just that he simply simply said home, protect yeah. home. So in in our everyday worry of oh god, can we convince Zach to stay? Are they going to pay him enough money to stay? Is he going to bolt in free agency? Just seeing that at least temporarily put my mind at ease to be like, no. Once again, as he has said several times himself, I love being in Chicago. I want to stay yeah. in Chicago. And the fact that he's been here a while, he hasn't been winning, but he's been here long enough and is excited about this upcoming season, the moves the team has made, the fact that he feels listened to by the organization now maybe is starting to feel a little bit more like Chicago is home or at least a home. Um, And that's big. That's big. All right. So fun, fun Zach Levine social media stuff from the weekend that we wanted to touch on. Uh, And now we will get into the, the meat of today's episode, which is these redrafts from 2019 and 20 that were put out by Bleacher Report um, over the last few days. Before we get to that, though, Big Dave, mm-hmm. wanted to tell mm-hmm. our listeners that today's episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's dog's giraffe's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. Get it together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings you live TV and your on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, watch your favorite movies, all of your favorite shows, and all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, mm. there's no annual contract. So get rid oh. of the clutter, get rid of the confusion, and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible service required. Content varies by package. Mm. That's how you do it right there. Let me talk to y'all about an awesome product that I use myself that is amazing. And y'all have heard me speak about it before. It's called Sweat Block. It's in the name, y'all. Sweat Block. They don't play around. There's no fancy, cool name with it. You know, there's no, oh, this is flowery. Oh, this is cool name. Oh, we put a lightning bolt on it. No. You sweat and you want to block it, you get Sweat Block. That's how that goes. Doctor created. Doctor recommended. Works up to seven days per use. Comes with the dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block does not keep you dry, guess what, my friends? You get your money back. It is a bestseller on Amazon for the past. Let me count that up right there. 10 years, 13,000 positive reviews. And right now it is currently number 
one in Amazon on their antiperspirant category, manufactured right here in the good old US of A. You can wear what you want. It's your little secret. You don't have to tell nobody. You can step off to the bathroom, dab it up, get right back to that date, get right back to that meeting, and you'll be good to go. Everybody got to have this, man. If you sweat, you got to have this product, okay? Take it from this dude right here. All right. Now, I know what you're saying to yourself. Man, it blocks the sweat. Well, it's got to cost a bunch of money. Well, here, let me help you out with this way, too. Because when you go to sweatblock.com and use that promo code Locked On, you will save yourself 20% on it and just say you can't get to that well guess what you can head right over to amazon or you can go to cvs use the code locked on say that 20 percent that way as well it's an awesome product make sure you use it if you sweat you got to have it sweat block stay dry man i was using sun this weekend day it's still hot in chicago at least it was this weekend that's about to change dry yes. as a bone under the bone head. baby bone dry really you is. heard him <laughs> Really is it's, an incredible product. <laughs> you, you see that? You see that moment Matt just had right there? That's the moment of, oh, my God, this product is amazing. That's what that moment was right there. Yes. Um, all right. So, you know what else is amazing, Big Dave, is the – these redrafts we're going to get into right now. All right. Um, Bleacher, you know, Bleacher <laughs> Report is doing what we're all doing right now, which is sifting for content in the dead month of NBA September before dead. we get to training camp. And mm-hmm. so they're doing some redrafts. They do redrafts a lot, you know, uh, at, like they did one back in the middle of last season, redrafting the 2019 draft class of February. They're doing another one now, um, kind of, you know, after another uh, sample size of what, what these young players in the NBA have done. Let's start with the 2019 redraft, um, and then we'll move to 2020. There's a lot that's in here that's interesting, Big Dave. Yeah. Um, but the top three stayed the same so you yep. got you got in that order zion you got Ja, and you got rj barrett and yeah. I, I think you know there, there's nobody who would have any squabbles with redraft yep they got one two three correct yes it's when you get to four that things really start to get weird and funky <laughs> and interesting uh including a lot of players who were taken late first round and even second round jumping into yeah. the top 10 and then yeah. and the first one of those is the Hawks taking Matisse Thibel at four. Thibel mm-hmm. originally picked 20th. Then you got Tyler Hero originally picked 13th, jumping up mm-hmm. to the Cavs taking him at fifth. Mm-hmm. Obviously, after his bubble performance, people could say, yeah, Hero's that good. Yeah. Then you get the 2020-21 Tyler Hero, and you're like, is he that good? We're all waiting. This is the big Tyler Hero <laughs> season in front of us. Yeah, You got uh, Garland. At six, so dropping down one spot from fifth, you got the Bulls taking, and I know your boy will love this. Come on, see Red Hunter oh. at the seventh pick, who had originally been taken fourth in this redraft. He falls to seventh and is selected mm-hmm. by the Bulls. Thoughts on that? Oh, my first thought was see Red Fred is going to lose his mind. He has been <laughs> preaching the gospel of DeAndre Hunter since since the draft of that year. He has been talking about him. He wanted DeAndre Hunter so much. I remember when we were doing Bulls Outsiders, we talked about DeAndre Hunter, but then we were like, we don't think it's a possibility, so we spent too much time there. But we, we were like, yeah, he's good, and if he's there, the Bulls should take him, but it just didn't figure that he would be there at that time. So, yeah, he was exactly what the Bulls needed at that time. Uh, there's still uh, room for him just because of, you know, his size, you know, his skill set. Obviously, you know, he'd be a great player and great move, but he's doing well with Atlanta. 
you know, and I and yeah, he's doing great with that land. I am a little surprised he dropped three slots though. That's a little surprising, but because of you know the injury and stuff like that, I get I can get why. But he's skilled though. He's very skilled. So you know, moving on, you got at eight Talon Horton Tucker originally Woo! taken all the way down at 46, 46. midway through the second round. A, a name that had kind of popped up around the Bulls as a player they may may have been interested in over the last few yeah. years. He I goes remember. eight with a huge leap. And look, you know, I, I think what, what uh, TH, uh, uh, THD has shown people so far, like, I, I don't I don't have any problems with that. Like, that guy is a player. That guy is yeah. a big, important piece of a Lakers team that is – perennial title contenders maybe favorites at this point in time yeah. you got Nikhil alexander walker at nine he was originally mm -hmm. taken 17th uh you got cam johnson at 10 uh originally 11 so not a huge move there kobe wow, white's old teammate um uh, phoenix suns taking brandon clark at 11 he makes a 10 spot jump up from 21st pj mm -hmm. washington stays at 12 the more names I list, here's Rui Hachimura, originally picked ninth, going to Miami at 13. Lou Dort to the Celtics at 14, an undrafted player. And so you, you might be saying to yourself, where am I? Mm. We're, 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 at, we're at 14. I just rattled off everyone at uh, up through 14 and still no Kobe White. Mm. You got to go all the way up to 20. Mm. Kobe White is redraft goes to the uh, goes to the Philadelphia 76ers at 20. Mm. Uh, and, and some of the notes on on Kobe White's spot here: a high volume, low efficiency bench scorer so far. Over two seasons, he's averaged 14.2 points with a well below average uh, effective field goal percentage and a low free throw rate. Doesn't mean White will always be this player. He's only 21 years old. Moderate what? improvement as a three-point shooter might be about all it takes to change his outlook offensively. He probably Bad. needs more work on the other end, but his defense mm -hmm. isn't always the top. But defense isn't always the top priority for a heat check guy. Um, coming in just ahead of Kobe White at 19, Nicholas mm -hmm. Claxton. Mm -hmm. um, originally picked one. 31st. Uh, okay. Jackson. And Hayes, another guy like Kobe, who fell far out of the top 10. He is uh, with the Pacers at 18 after originally oh, being picked eight. And then here might be my get favorite. To it, of get to draft. it, Get going, to it. <laughs> going to the New Orleans Pelicans at 17, ahead of his Say former it. teammate by three spots, is your main man, Daniel Gafford. Kablackow! <laughs> Splatow! Splugadoosh! In your face, all your haters, get up off that man, Daniel Gafford, boy. Been trying to preach this gospel to y'all for I don't know how long. Sorry, Matt, but I got the flow now. I got to talk about Daniel Gafford and the 17th pick because we're going to get into Kobe White for sure. But Daniel Gafford, I've been telling you over and over and over and over and over again about how good this dude is, about what he brings to the floor, about what he does on both ends of the floor. How many times do I have to tell y'all about the time we saw him and his highlight reel and me, Matt, and John are sitting in the green room and we watch him block a shot and then he runs the floor and he windmills the alley-oop dunk and we all jumped up out of our seats and walked around like, what the hell? He's on our team? We lost our minds. I was in right then at that point. You saw it right there. You continue to see flashes of it. You knew he was good. He wasn't just some guy you could just find. This dude is skilled. It takes skill to do that stuff that he's doing. You know, how many seven footers you know just running around doing windmill dunks? 
How many of you know blocking shots running the floor like that? Windmilling on cats. How many of you know can change how a team is operating? Ask Washington how that team operated in that second half after they made that trade for Daniel Gafford. Ask Washington how they did. Did you see the wins they went on? Did you see how many things they did better? You saw them saying, thank you, Bulls. We appreciate you sending us Daniel Gafford, man. And he's going to be even better this year. 17th from the second round to 17th in the first round. He's that good. And he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. Oh, Daniel M.F. and Gafford. Let's go, baby. Let's do it. Woo. Stop hating. I can't wait to watch him this year. I can't wait. He's going to be dunking on people all over, Matt. He's going to be block shots and dunks everywhere. They're going to love this dude. Oh, get your money, boy. Get your money. All right, I'm done. All right. I, <laughs> I, I, first of all, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Thank you for that. I, that's, what I, that's what I thought the reaction was going to be, and I'm, glad I, and I'm glad I got it. However, I can't believe I'm the one who's now going to have to sit here and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on with it. Are we arguing that Gafford is better, a player that gives you more than mm-hmm. Kobe White? Because you know me, I have never been super high on Kobe White. I think he right. is what he is, which is basically uh, the way the Bleacher Report described him. He's a microwave scorer. He's mm-hmm. a heat check guy. And mm-hmm. a guy who we have learned, I think, through two seasons, not a natural point guard, not yeah. a playmaking point guard, at least right. not, not yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, still young, room to grow, best served as an off-the-ball threat who can get hot from three, and he can use his speed occasionally to just get to the rim. Although, sure. as, as they also pointed out, not a super efficient finisher at and near the rim. There are holes and flaws in Kobe White's game. Sure. But what he can give you on any given night, the nights where we saw, hey, Zach Levine does, in fact, have a sidekick, and his name is Kobe White. And Kobe White, the sidekick, put up 33 points tonight. Those kind of skills, Kobe's Mm -hmm. ability to drop in that many points on any random night. Do you honestly think that Gafford should be ahead of Kobe White in this redraft? Now, let me answer your first part of your questions. No, I don't think Daniel Gafford is better than Kobe White. No, I don't believe that. Here's what I do believe. I do believe they drafted and redrafted on fit. So when he went to the New Orleans Pelicans, that was the fit. That The fit wasn't Kobe White at that point in time. Because remember, if you're going with the redraft, they had Lonzo. So they that was a, there wasn't a need there, you know what I'm saying, to have him right there at that point in time. There mm-hmm. was definitely a need for them to have a backup center. They needed okay. a center. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's exactly what they needed. And that's why Jackson Hayes, they took Jackson Hayes in the first place. But, yeah, so that's why I looked at it as. I didn't look at it as him being better or worse than him. But if we're talking about basketball skills, yeah, I'm taking a dude who hit eight threes in a game. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, let me, let me get him on my squad. But if we're talking – I'm just talking about the awesomeness and the spectacularness of that man that they called Daniel Gafford that they told me was a scrub, Matt. They told me he ain't have it, Matt. They said he wasn't that dude. This is what they told me, Matthew Peck. This is what they told me over and over again, that he wasn't that guy. You heard it. You read it. You saw it. And what did he do? He went out and proved them all wrong. Yes, I am that dude. Yes, I am that guy. Watch me work and watch how I do. Look at the impact. That's all I'm saying. Look at the impact of the Washington Wizards, for God's sakes. They were like 10 games out. They were nothing in the East. They came out and just as soon as they got this dude, they ran teams. 
Because and then all of a sudden in the playoffs, who'd you see starting? Oh, that was Daniel Gafford. That's who you right. saw starting in the playoffs. Daniel Gafford, okay? He's important. He's an important, huge, colossal piece. Is he better than Kobe White skill-wise and all that? No. But that dude is important because both sides of the floor, he is impactful. Yeah. Look, and, and I think it also says something about after the top three, how a lot of teams um, were just kind of confused about who the best players in this draft class were. <laughs> That's you know fair. I mean? The, the, That's the fair. fact that you have after the top three from, you know, the starting at four high lottery all the way through 20, you've got guys jumping up from the second round. You've got undrafted guys jumping up. You've got top 10 guys from the actual draft falling into the late teens and even the 20s. Mm-hmm. Maybe the maybe the Bulls still in a search for a, a guard and maybe a point guard at that point in time took Kobe because they thought he was a a blend of best player available while also filling a need. And mm-hmm. clearly, while I think that falling all the way to 20 and some of the names ahead of him are a little like, really, is kind of disrespectful yeah. to Kobe White. Very, extremely. I, <laughs> I also can see, look, there are a lot of players that the Bulls and a lot of other teams whiffed on in this 2019 draft. It mm-hmm. happens. It um, happens every year. Unfortunately, Kobe White was the final first-round pick of uh, of a front office duo who, after starting out pretty hot and making a lot of hits in the draft, mm-hmm. John Paxson with the Baby Bulls, mm-hmm. then you know, um, you know, Joakim and Derek and Taj and Jimmy. Like we we know the hits, right? They yeah. went a lot of years without hits, and now Kobe White, the last pick they made along with Zach Levine, is the only player left on the roster from, from when AK and Eversley inherited this team. That's that's interesting. But look, right now, we're kind of wondering what's going to be happening with Kobe White. We're mm-hmm. hoping that the shoulder surgery and then recovery is going well. He he, We heard from him uh, a few days ago, uh, got a couple of quotes out of him saying, yeah, I, I feel I feel good. I think I'm on, you know, on schedule as far as the recovery timeline. But with all of the roster overhaul and then starting on the starting the season on the shelf, I may, maybe this is some bulletin board material for Kobe White if he saw this yep, to be like, really, to y'all twentieth? That's what I was about to say. All right, yep. wait till wait till I get back on the floor and mm-hmm. I and I have some more talented teammates. Let me show you what I could do. Yeah, I love when you're in my brain, Matt. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I hope he sees this and it pisses him the hell off. I hope he checks this out. Like, are you kidding me? Y'all think it's 20, then me, then Kobe White? Did you not see what I do? I hope it makes him so angry and, and just makes him mad. If it's anybody on this Bulls team who is set up to succeed this season, it's Kobe White. It is set up for him to succeed. He not They're not asking him to be the point guard anymore. They're not asking him to be the starter anymore. They're putting him where we all thought he would be most comfortable, where he could really help this team, is being that sixth or seventh guy coming in off the bench, getting hot for this team, scoring a bunch of buckets, being nasty on the catch and shoot, and playing in that fourth quarter when you need some scoring. Like, it's set up for him. They're not asking him to be the world, be a defender, the, the other team's best point guard. You know, they're not asking him. They're just asking him to be Kobe White. They're asking him to get them buckets. That's what they're asking him to do. Now, we saw how good he did, at least I did, man. I'm I'm sure you did too. But we saw how well he did when Vooch got there, how the game started slowing down for Kobe White when he was out there running that point guard position. 
how things got a little simpler for him in, in his decision making and things of that nature. I'm liking the fact that now he can take what he's learned over to that second unit. Now he can work with guys like Lonzo Ball on his team who can maybe show him certain nuances that he didn't see. Now you can look at guys like Alex Caruso, who can also help you on the defensive end as well, who's also a solid shooter, who can also show you things because he's a veteran who's been proven because he has a ring in this league. It's set up for Kobe White to succeed. All he has to do is just go be Kobe White and get them buckets, Matt, and he's going to have a good season. That's how I feel. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I 20th, I thought was crazy. I even think it's crazy to put his former teammate Gafford three spots ahead of him. As much as I, as much as I enjoy (laughs) watching Gafford get minutes uh, in a Bulls jersey as well. Um, And hey, man, uh, that that redraft just shows you a, a lot of players came out of nowhere that for whatever reason, you know, didn't have the the eyeballs on them, weren't mm-hmm. scouted properly, whatever, whatever. That to their credit, I, I think Kobe doesn't go seventh overall uh, if if this draft is redrafted because there are that many players that look to be legitimately better than him in that draft mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty is too too insulting. Twenty is ridiculous. Twenty is um, a right. steal. <laughs> we, we we will now move on to. The 2020 redraft, which also has Patrick Williams falling from his original mm. selection by the Bulls, but not quite as far. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, want to tell you all about a new excellent way to play fantasy basketball, if that's your thing, because people are getting ready. Training camps right around the corner. Fantasy mm-hmm. basketball is going to be here before you know it. And did you know this? In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper, the fantasy app, realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense. It required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuing, uh, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindlessly daily busy work are over. In Game Picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, and many more elements just like that. All of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy football code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. No, you won't. So go, check it out. Download the Sleeper app and play fantasy basketball the right way. That's right. Hey, you, listen. I'm talking to you right now. You with your earshot. Ain't you tired of hurting? Don't it hurt? Aren't you tired of sitting down and making this noise? Ugh. Aren't you tired of picking up your kid and you're like, ah, I got to put you down. The hip hurt. Aren't you sick of that? Because we're sick of looking at, looking at you and having it happen to you. All right. But we got the medicine for you. Don't let the stress of that daily life weigh on your body. Now, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, who's an uber elite athlete, just trying to make it through the day. Theragun is what you're going to need. 
It's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it is as quiet shh, as an electric toothbrush, baby. All right. Now, whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just some stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute. You hear what I said to you? No substitute for the Theragun Jenner 4. The Theragun Gen 4. You're going to need this in your life, man. I'm telling you right now. It doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of that pain. It gets up in there. Using that gun, his signature percussion therapy, it goes 60% deeper than the vibration alone. Now, this is what you're going to need. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. You heard what I said. 30 days, $199, man. Go to Theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Get it, because it worked. You're tired of hurting Theragun. Gen 4 works for you. All right, with that, let's move on to the 2020 redraft compliments of Bleacher Report. Um, some, I think a little less craziness here in this one than 2019. Um, they do have a switch of LaMelo going first and Edwards going second as opposed to the other way around. Um, and then things do get a little interesting because I was like, ooh, man, like redraft. You know I love me some Patrick Williams, but where's Tyrese Halliburton going to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Halliburton goes three. Halliburton goes three uh, to the Charlotte Hornets, um, uh, a steal by the Kings at 12 after what was just a very great year from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here at four, the Bulls do not take Patrick Williams. They take mm-hmm. Isaiah Stewart, originally 16th pick uh, by Detroit and ha- had a pretty like low key uh, season. Definitely yeah. earned more minutes as the season went along. But mm-hmm. Big Dave, original thoughts right there as just if we were to redo this draft, who would you rather have, Patrick Williams or Isaiah Stewart? Uh, I'd still rather have Patrick Williams. And nothing against Isaiah Stewart. Um, because like you said, he had a very solid season that honestly nobody was really looking at or expecting. With 13 and 11, that's real mm-hmm. solid to come in as your rookie because those are numbers that that will keep you in the league for 12-plus years. If you're averaging 10 and 10, you know, playing that four position, uh, being as skilled as he was doing it and being as tough as he was doing it. So I understand the need that he will provide for this team, but I want Patrick Williams because of what we see, Matt. We see something that might be a little special in him. You know, we see and I see the steadiness of Stewart. I do. I see the steadiness of the 13 and and it can continue on. He can probably hit a little higher on those points per game and and a few more rebounds. But Patrick Williams... I have a higher idea for as far as what his ceiling is concerned uh, than I do Isaiah Stewart. Now, Isaiah, like you said, he comes in and he impacts immediately. I saw Patrick Williams impact, and man, it just got me more excited for him going into season two about how much higher and more things that he can do. And it makes me excited for season three. It makes me excited for season four. Um, But nothing against Isaiah Stewart because, like you said, that's a steady ship. It reminds you of like a, a, a Taj Gibson or someone like that, you know? who can just be steady with it, or even a Carlos Boozer, just you know what they're going to give you every time they get into the ball game, and you don't have to worry about that. So, yeah, shout out to him for that. And also, I think what's more impressive is the two blocks <laughs> that he was getting also per game. Yeah. That is also impressive. So, for me, that's a complete package 
right there. So I'm giving you 10 plus points, 10 plus rebounds, and two plus blocks a game. That'll get you in the starting lineup. I don't care what team you're on. That should that you should be in the lineup, period, doing that. So I think he'll only get better, but that three-point shot is is really what set it back. Uh, if you're gonna go that high, uh, you're gonna have to have that. You know what I'm saying? In in my opinion, unless you're gonna be a special a elite kind of big man or something like that. But but yeah, right. he's good though. Nothing against he's good, but I still take Patrick. So just a quick clarification there that that 13, 11, and two is actually his per 36 numbers, his rookie year. Right. Right. So you know, I'm sorry, I didn't but, say per 36. Excuse right, me. Right. Yeah. So, but you know, as I mentioned, the the minutes kept going up for him. They also mentioned in this Bleacher Report column, he averaged 18 and a half minutes before the All Star break, and that mm -hmm. jumped up to 24 and a half minutes after the All Star break. So, if he can mm -hmm. get that production and stretch it out over earning more minutes as his NBA career goes, yeah, he looks like a solid player. Um, and and uh, you know, as I said, if we were pretending this redraft was real and Maybe the only thing I would have flirted with is Halliburton if he were there and he fell. I think I'm with you. I think based on what I've seen from Patrick Williams, I still believe in his just like Sears Tower kind of ceiling. I believe in yeah, that kind of yeah. ceiling for Patrick Williams. I'm going to roll with him. But let's move through now to see where he does fall. At five, mm -hmm. we have the Cavs taking James Wiseman, who was the now, second Real quick, pick. man. No, real quick right there, there's no way I'm passing on James Wiseman, Fazir. Let me just say that. There's no way I'm passing on Wiseman, all right? Absolutely no way. So, please, thank you. So, so you're you're a believer in Wiseman. Because, you know, I wasn't. Coming into this draft, I was like, you know, and young big men, it's always kind of hard to tell. But I, I watched what I watched on Wiseman, and I was like, mm -hmm. eh. Dude, if, 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 his, if in a redraft, he drops from two to five. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not a huge fall. Okay. That's, that's not a huge fall at all. That dude can play and right. his development is going to be skilled, but he does on the defensive end is a problem. Like it's an issue, man. That dude is skilled. He's only going to get better, Matt. Like you don't pass on that. That dude can honestly be a generational talent. I'm not passing on James Wiseman though. I, I'm just not, not doing that. Right. So then we have the Hawks sticking Yeka Okongwu at sixth overall. Interesting. So he jump or fall but right. does technically count as a player who jumps Patrick Williams, whose right. name we have not gotten to yet, with yeah. Onyeka Okongwu at six. I, look, I think he's a good fit there. Um, he's a good player. Uh, he was certainly a name that I was interested in when I was looking at who, who could help this Bulls team coming into mm -hmm. that 2020 draft. Then we get to seven Pistons. Emmanuel quickly. He is the big jumper here. He was yeah. originally picked... <clears throat> pardon me 25th um right. wow that's a big jump what do you think about quickly <laughs> at seven wow that's a huge jump for quickly but he was awesome this season like he really was he played very very well man and that three-point shooting is, is what gets you and he it was crazy how consistent he became you know like you just depend on it like all the time especially at three point you just depended on it and when when Thibs is looking at you and putting you in that's already tells you everything you really need to know because we know how Thibs feels about those young guys and, and the young guys getting time so when Thibs is out there like yeah you can you get some tick you can play what <laughs> like every game game after game you're gonna put him in the game and trust him and know that he can provide something for you that's honestly the only stat you really truly need honestly is Thibs is putting you in the game and you're a young player that says a lot so I mean, 
I I don't have a problem with quickly making this big of a jump. I mean, he was a huge reason why the Knicks were as surprisingly good as they were because they were. got that because they got that kind of production out of a rookie. Um, yeah. and and good for them for for snaking him because wow, like that. I, I, I did not have an eye on quickly before I started Nobody, yeah, watching that not, dude's highlight reel. I was like, holy crap, yeah. this guy can play. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't one talked about. A guy, he was not one that was spoken about highly or a lot, which is why he failed so far. But yeah, he's been great. So so he makes a 25 to 7 jump. And then at eight, we have the Knicks taking Patrick Williams, originally picked Please. by our Bulls at four. Who wrote this? <laughs> it's a uh, Nick fan. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a Knicks fan. It, I don't know about you. It, it stung me even more that that's the team you went to. It's like, ah, oh, the Knicks. Yeah, really? right. Yeah, uh, right. So here are a couple of notes from uh, who did this redraft. Um, because right after him, they have uh, Desmond Bain, which is interesting. And they note that P-Dub's numbers weren't as good his rookie year as Desmond Bain's. But the age discussion comes up. Bain was 22 during his rookie campaign, whereas Williams was 19. Need we 19. remind you one more time, Patrick one Williams more played his entire NBA rookie year as a 19-year-old. He just turned 20 like two weeks ago. <laughs> he still can't have a drink, guys. <laughs> uh, other factors that set Williams apart from Desmond Bain, Bain's a 6'4 wingspan compared to Patrick Williams' 7-foot wingspan. Thank you very much. Mm. Mm. Uh, extra length giving that Williams, that defensive versatility so many teams want in today's NBA. What Williams showed offensively as a rookie is enticing too. Didn't take many shots, but a 39.1 three-point percentage, solid accuracy from mid-range, provide the profile of a good shooter. At the very mm. least, Williams looked like he has the potential to be a high-end, gap-filling 3-and-D player. That I mean, I, th that is a modest way of describing what Patrick Williams' potential is. A really? high-end, gap-filling 3-and-D player. Honestly. I think you think and I think that he can be even more than that. Um, yeah. And we, we've talked about him being a star on the defensive end and maybe having that kind of path like a Kawhi Leonard. And no, I'm not doing the comparison to Kawhi right now. Calm down. Just like the play or like Jimmy Butler <laughs> – who are known in the NBA first in their youth as a defensive stopper Fair. and then develop their offense as they go through their NBA career and turn That's into all-star level offensive threats over time. I still think that that path is there for Williams. If the pieces around him and the coaching and the way he's developed all work well and in his favor. So I'm not, I'm not wildly offended by P-Dub falling from four to eight. Because, mm -hmm. look, it, it's hard to argue that some of the players taken ahead of him in this redraft don't deserve to be, whether it's Quigley right. or a Kongwu or Wiseman, you mm -hmm. know, uh, or so Wiseman having already been drafted ahead of him, Isaiah right. Stewart being the other big one that makes mm -hmm. a jump. I like – I I, I don't – I don't love Stewart at four. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that's a reach. But again, and, and, and it goes back to what we were saying with Kobe. I, I don't know if Patrick Williams is the chip on his shoulder kind of guy. He seems to just be very <laughs> chill about everything. He, he does. He does. But, I mean, may, maybe he takes this as a slight. It's not as much of a slight as Kobe, at least in my opinion. I don't know about you. No, it's a, it's a huge slight. You drop from seven to 20th. That's, that's a complete slight that is absolutely what that is and definitely some players i don't think um should have been ahead of you 
uh, in that. You know, I might understand, like I said, I understood the fit of Daniel Gafford, but we're talking about just players. It's Kobe White. Um, but, yeah, Patrick Williams, Matt, like, it was a shock when they drafted him then uh, at four. So maybe that's why they, like, well, when you went out on the in their, I'm sure in their world, they're like, you went out on a limb and took this guy at four. You expect him to pay immediate dividends, maybe. And so since he hasn't, we're going to drop him down a little bit and do it like that. No, that's, <laughs> I don't see it like that at all. I saw, like, they knew what he was. They saw what they wanted. They took the guy that they wanted, and he has shown flashes, Matt, of being that dude. And it's the flashes that get you. I mean, that block on Aiton just plays all over and over again in a loop in my brain, just over and over again. The Summer League that we saw, and we're not putting everything on Summer League, all right? But the Summer League positives that we saw, because we sure saw the negatives as far as him not still not having to move and um, him turning the ball over often. But the positives as far as his attitude and how he moved and how he approached the game. And Matt said, like he said, he's a very chill guy. He wasn't like that in that Summer League. That dude wanted to, you know, get after it. And that's what you were hoping to see coming into year two. Now, I was shocked at Stewart being there because I don't, I didn't, I would be upset with the pick, Matt, because I'd be like, we passed on Wiseman and we passed on Quigley. Like we passed yeah. on two of those to go get Stewart. I, so I'm like, you you took a risk with a guy like Patrick Williams at four to replace him with another risk, <laughs> which I think is Stewart because I don't find him as a better basketball player than Wiseman or or, or, or then uh, Quigley was. So I don't, I don't like this redraft. Um, Putting him at eighth, I understand it. It's not a huge slight, but I just don't like the pick that they gave the Bulls with it. And there's nothing again, nothing against Stewart because the dude can play. He's already proven that the dude can actually play. But I just don't see that them putting him there, man. Because I just I can't get over the Wiseman one. That that's the really the one, Matt. That's really just kicking in my brain real hard. Yeah, I, I can't. Well, I get, mean, but pa- Patrick is ill. Like I'm not well, passing on Patrick. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. If you're like, wait, you, you, Wiseman's there, and 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 you said no. I, the other one, I I mean, just just to show that I can be self-deprecating and and admit when I'm wrong occasionally, Big Dave, or at least it looks okay. like I'm wrong so far. <laughs> okay. And an injury early career has been an issue, but Kobe, the version of Kobe White in the 2020 draft, a guard that was taken top ten that fell, mm-hmm. is a guy I was pretty high on, and that's Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes oh, yeah. falls yeah, I at remember. 26th over going mm. 7th overall. Mm. And look, he, he looks like the player that we thought he was, uh, and a guy who with amazing ball handling and distribution skills. They note mm. here, among rookies with at least 500 minutes, his 7.6 assists per 75 possessions ranked third. But his shooting was just a nightmare. Like, mm. absolutely bad. I thought... He, like his shooting form is a little weird, but maybe he can fix it. And he's the he's the playmaking point guard that this team desperately needs, and that's why I was high on him. Whew. He he falls from seven to twenty six. So yeah, in- interesting yeah. to have these these redo uh, redraft conversations. Uh, both of the Bulls' last two dra- first round draft picks falling one more significantly than the other. Hopefully, hopefully, bulletin board material for both of these guys where they can pro- prove people wrong. Because again, Patrick and Kobe are both still very young. Um, yeah, still very young, and perhaps now in a better position to develop. I mean, yep. this this Bulls organization when Kobe was drafted was in disarray. Patrick Williams was the first thing 
that the new front office did. We want that kid. And yes. so even though Patrick Williams is technically like a part of the new regime and their building, he was the first building block, the very mm -hmm. first building block. If you're talking about mm -hmm. actually constructing this roster in their image, it, you know, and it's only been a year for Patrick Williams. Yeah. It's only been a year for Kobe white. It's only been two years. And that first year, Credit to him for shining the way he did as a rookie when everything around him was crumbling. So take their production in seasons one and seasons one and two with a grain of salt and see where they go from here. Yeah, and Matt, I mean, you know how hard I was riding for Kobe White his, his rookie season about how much I wanted him to play. And I felt the same way uh, about him his second season. But I'm riding even harder for him this year because I just feel like it's it's perfectly set up for him to have that success uh, this season. I can't I can't wait to see uh, what he does when he comes back from that injury. Patrick Williams was a guy when they drafted him. Like we said, we didn't know much about. Well, at least let me speak for myself. I didn't know much about um, when they got him. But when you got him and you saw him, you were like, oh, snap, this dude is good. He can play. And you saw the potential immediately and why AK and Eversley fell in love with him. And Matt is correct. This is their baby. This is the first person that they got. They said, we want that dude. We don't care nothing about what you say. That guy right there, we want him. Bring him to us. So if, and as y'all know, if they saying it, I'm rolling with it. So that's how I'm rolling with Patrick Williams. But I also wanted to point out um, Isaac Okoro, Matt, uh, mm -hmm. falling from fifth to twelfth. Um, because again, let me shout out to your boy C Red Fred. He's a big old Okoro fan. I see the look on your face. He's a big old fan of that man Okoro, man. And him dropping him dropping from fifth to twelfth, uh, going to Sacramento was was tough, man. Um, because yeah, he I think he's solid. I think he can play. And then uh I saw at eleven, which was wild to me, was the guy I was high on, which was Denny Advia, dropping mm -hmm. from uh ninth to 11 not a huge fall for him as far as far as Isaac Okoro but honestly I thought he should have been should have fell a little bit more after the performance that he had uh this season he was tough but I was really high you want to talk about you who guys you were high on how you were high on Killian Hayes I was definitely high on Denny Advia along with a lot of people in Bulls Nation I thought he was going to be the pick I was like pick him I like him I like the fact that he runs around and does stuff <laughs> give me yeah. that guy and yeah. man, it, it's that shooting, that three point shooting, man. Oh my goodness, it, it's been bad to the point that they couldn't put him on the floor as much anymore. He played himself off the floor, and I hope he makes his adjustments because he'll have another opportunity to show with Washington to succeed because of the changes that they've made. But man, yeah, it was it was a tough rookie year for my man Denny. Man, it was a tough rookie year. And look, I I think when you do these redrafts, you know whether you are an NBA person who who writes for Bleacher Report and are the ones going through and doing them, or if you're people like us who are reacting to them, but you know you you spend your life watching the NBA, talk about the NBA, whether it's the 19 or the 20 class, you're talking about that top tier, right? The top mm -hmm. tier: Zion and Ja, Lamelo, R.J. Barrett, players of that caliber. Right. Beyond them. The guys where everybody, if you watch any lick of basketball, could look at that guy and whether he's playing overseas or, or playing in college, look at him and say, oh, yeah, that's a star. That dude right. is a star. Right. Everything below that top tier, it's a, it's a dart throw, man. Whether you're someone who is paid to scout NBA talent or you're paid to write about people who scout NBA talent – or you are us who are occasionally paid to talk about people who are paid to write about people who are paid to scout NBA talent. 
It's a dart throw. Like, it is a dart throw. Some of these guys pan out. Some of them don't. And the way you know that, and the the good reminder is, these redrafts are crazy. These redrafts are absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right, man. And like you said, nobody knows. (laughs) Even if I I go as far as to say even the first one. Like, of course, there's a rarity where you're just like, nope, him for sure. We know it. LeBron, Shaq, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, Patrick Ewing, you know, like, Guys, you look at immediate Chris Webber, like you like immediate. You look at him, you're like, yes, obviously Zion Williamson. Like you're like these guys are gonna be good, uh, no matter what. But man, it's a crapshoot regardless, man. Because then you, like you said, you can end up with a Kwame Brown. You know, mm-hmm. you can end up. Uh, um, gosh, I forget Anthony Bennett. You know, you can end up with those kind of guys. You know, it happens. You know, but it's a crapshoot around, man. But yeah, that's why guys are paid the big bucks, but nobody's 100. percent You know, and the guys who are close to it. Are revered as legends. Hello, Jerry West. <laughs> true, true that. All right, that's gonna wrap things up for today. Um, hope you all enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you know, hit us up if you have any thoughts on these redrafts. Patrick Williams falling from four to eight. Kobe falling from seven to twenty. Um, if you got a bone to pick with Bleacher Report, or you got thoughts about maybe that's not too crazy. Maybe you got some thoughts about Daniel Gafford jumping into round one ahead of Kobe White. Uh, let us know hit us up Uh, we are at 331-979-1369 for text and voicemails locked on bulls at gmail.com and you can always hit us up on the twitter machine I am at bulls underscore peck Dave is at bow b-a-w-l sports we are at locked on bulls until next time thanks for listening we are getting close Dave it is September 20th the Uh bulls regular season opener is one month from today one month almost time We've waited for so long for this moment. I've been waiting. (laughs) We'll see you soon for another fresh episode of Locked On. For Big Dave, I'm Matt. Thanks for listening, y'all. See you, Red. Be good. Peace out.